Hey y'all, and welcome to Ain't No Such Thing, where we tell original Southern horror stories. My name is Amanda, and this episode I've got a special one for you. This story was produced by our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash ain't no such thing. We play a little game called Pass the Story, and you may be familiar with this one. It's sort of a campfire game where one person starts the story, they go for a little bit, pass it to the next person who tells a little bit more of the story, passes it, add twists and turns, and eventually you have a complete story. We're going to keep playing this, so stay tuned till the end, and I'll let you know how you can get in on the next game, be a part of the podcast, get a writing credit, and have a little fun with us, flex your creative muscles. Are you ready? Well, here we go. Inheritance I don't have many memories of my grandmother. She lived two states away from me, and my parents rarely traveled to visit when I was young. We never really bonded, so I didn't feel the urge to visit when I got older. We just weren't close. I do recall her being very stern, and of the opinion that children should be seen and not heard. With our history, it came as a total shock to me that I was named as the sole beneficiary of her will. I wasn't even aware of her passing. I received a letter from her attorney stating that the estate, property, contents, and all, now belonged to me. I never expected this. I feel guilty that I wasn't closer to her, but I'm also apprehensive. I mean, isn't this the opening of many a horror movie? I'm going to head out in the morning and view the property. I'm not going alone. I'm taking my friends. I'm no fool. I've had to live at the poverty line for so long that the idea of having an estate is some kind of dream. I hope I don't wake up to find that's all it was. I wonder if those damn stoles are still in her walk-in closet, I said to my sister when we stopped at Bojangles to eat. I hope so, said Sarah through a mouthful of ham biscuit. You can actually get some decent money for legacy furs, especially mink. They were fox, I said, remembering their withered, pointy faces and paws like fetal hands. Really? I just remember how soft they were. They weren't soft when she locked me in the closet with them. I think she's being honest when she says she doesn't remember doing that, but I will never forget the touch and smell of that oily fur, so rough and wiry and rank and how they began dropping off whatever it was they hung from like furry snakes or big soft woolly caterpillars and slithering towards me scrambling at my bare feet with those mummified paws. I'll also never forget Grandma's laugh when Mama heard my screams and hauled me out of there. The cackling old bitch was the only adult not to insist that I'd imagine the stoles had come alive, or if not alive, had somehow still started swarming me. That'll teach that child to rummage in other people's closets she said in that cigarettes and whiskey rasp, and then laughed some more. It was quite a shock pulling up to the lawyer's office. It was not what one would expect in this town. The feelings inside did not match the expression on my face. I was not sure what to expect. It was like a scene out of Mommy Dearest. As we entered into the office, I spoke my name. The clerk directed us to a downstairs corridor. It was not very well lit, and I've always been nervous in enclosed spaces, remembering the furs rekindled that forgotten fear. This still felt like a dream. 
I was about to see a fate I had not held in my wildest dreams. An estate. Me. How am I the owner of anything? The lines were clear. We went to church, asked for our needs, and welfare from the class above us. Now I find out my own family is the class above us. Is this really happening? My fear turned to anger as... We left the Bojangles just after sunset. I sat behind the wheel of my 1955 Ford Mustang. My dad moved around a lot, a working stiff most of his life, working as a grease monkey up in Iron City. The Mustang was a gift bequeathed to me on my 24th birthday. Anyways, I sat behind the wheel feeling particularly tensed. My sister Sarah rode shotgun. Her breath stank of ham biscuits, so I rolled down the window a few inches. Jesus, Sarah, you have to breathe all over me? That's nasty, I said with a scowl. Sarah laughed and kicked her feet up onto the dash. Yes, she said. I was just as much an heir to that old battle axe as you were. I've got to spread some misery. Really, why not both of us? I shrugged, not really knowing how to answer that myself. We're sisters. We do for each other. You're not going to have to worry. She picked up the keys the attorney had given me from the top of my purse and jingled them. There were a dozen or more, mostly of the skeleton key variety. I just wonder what the place looks like today. With our luck, she was probably some kind of trash hoarder, and we'll just have to clean up a big old pile of old people crap. I don't think she was anything like that. I hope she wasn't. My cell phone lit up with a call from my friend Ryan, and I answered quickly. Hey there, sweetie, you getting close? I'm probably an hour away, he replied. It's amazing how much you find worth photographing when you don't take the interstate. Sorry to be late. We're pulling up now. Just text when you get out here, I said. With a quick goodbye, I ended the call and turned the car onto the gravel road that would lead to our new home. The car crawled to a stop. I pulled on the handbrake and killed the engine with a sigh. There was an undertone of edginess in my voice that was apparently invisible to my sister. I sat there momentarily paralyzed by the view in front of me. There were hedgerows on either side and the front lawn looked like it hadn't been manicured in quite some time. A long gravelly path led to the house which I only have vague recollections of. A tingle of regret washed over me. Grandmother named me the sole beneficiary of her will in spite of the fact that we'd never really bonded. There was something about her that I couldn't quite touch upon. She had a smile that would melt your heart. But then, there'd be times when that smile would end just as abruptly, almost as if it had been switched off by a lever. It made me flinch and gasp every time she did that. I remembered that day I'd been locked in the walk-in closet. Uh, Hello, Earth to Norma. Are you just going to sit there all day, or are we stepping out of the car? Oh, sorry. Must have been wool gathering. You know how when you're a kid, everything seems so huge? And then when you get older, you realize how small they actually were? This was nothing like that. As I got out of the car and stood in the shadow of that house, I was a kid again. It wasn't a pleasant feeling. Every horrible thing that had happened, 
Every time grandmother would take the opposite side of a situation, even when she knew I was in the right, just to be a mean-spirited bitch came rushing back. As I stood there, I felt overwhelmed by rage and anger. Everything else just vanished. My breathing quickened. Something hurt, but I couldn't tell what. Suddenly, a hand touched my shoulder. My first thought was a violent, Don't touch me! Until I looked behind me and saw Sarah looking at me perplexed. Are you okay, sis? She asked. Oh, yeah. Just feel a bit weird being here is all. I dismissed what I'd just felt, fairly sure it was nothing more than the exhaustion after the drive. I'm fine. Want to take a look inside? Sarah smiled and started toward the house. I was about to move when I noticed a sharp pain in my hand. I looked down, and what I saw shocked me. I'd clenched my fist so hard my nails had dug into my palm. A wave of unease washed over me. I fished the keys out of my bag and steeled myself for, what, it's a house. An empty old house, that's all. And Sarah's with me. It'll be fine. Right? We made our way up the mossy steps and I hesitated. Sarah took the key and unlocked the door. It creaked loudly. Of course it did. Morticia! Gomez! Sarah called out, turning to me with her trademark cheeky grin. Jesus, Sarah, have some respect. Oh, I'm sorry, milady. Did I offend? Come on. She poked me the way she always did when I got too serious. Then we walked into the hall. There were sheets over what looked like furniture and some statues. Sarah looked around and snorted. <laughs> it's like an old horror movie in here. I'm expecting Vincent Price to pop out of the drawing room and tell us about a curse. Or maybe the Scooby gang. If we're lucky. I mumbled as I searched for the light switches. Come on, Sarah said. We can grab the bags out of the car once Ryan and them get here. For now, let's nose around, find out what's changed, see what we remember, and more importantly, let's see if we can find those furs. Why is Sarah so focused on the furs? How can she be so calm during all of this? During all what? What exactly is it that I'm concerned about? It's just an empty old house. Come on, girl. Pull yourself together. You got this. All right. All right, I said to placate Sarah's judgmental stare. I mean, she's right. I'm acting weird. Let's go. Let's get the layout of this place and see what we can find. I tried putting a smile on my face, knowing it was a frail one. Hopefully, I just looked tired. We started in the hall looking at the paintings and ornaments, opening every door we passed. We continued on through the kitchen, looking at the random canned foods left in the random cupboards. We got to making up silly scenarios. Whose canned food was this? What was the purpose? What were they waiting for? It was a lot. We continued like this through the whole house. I soon forgot my misgivings and started to really have a little fun. We made silly plans about what we're going to do with this place, walking through the place like auctioneers and estate agents, making ridiculous claims about random rooms and belongings and outrageous put-on voices. It started to feel like the best time we had in a long time, so carefree and full of childlike innocence. I'm not sure exactly how long we were wandering through the house. It's a big house, and when you're having that much fun, time can get away from you. 
Our laughter followed us down the hall, and soon we stood in front of a door that neither one of us remembered. Not really surprising since we hadn't been here much when we were kids, but something really felt off. Our laughter dried up. Sarah, always determined not to let anything spoil her fun, reached out for the handle. The closer her hand got, the bigger the pit in my stomach became. As her hand prepared to wrap around the handle, my lunch prepared for a quick exit. We both jumped and gave a little cry. It was my phone, a text from Ryan saying that they had just arrived. I gave a big sigh and we both laughed. Come on, let's go get the boys. I'm sure they're tired after their drive, and I don't know about you, but I'm starving. Let's see what we can scrounge up. As we made our way back, I couldn't help but feel an overwhelming sense of relief. Not wanting to dwell on what I just experienced, or on Sarah's sudden willingness to abandon a door before she knows what's behind it. Alright, but last one back has to do the scrounging. Challenge set, and off we went. Soon I put the whole door scene to the back of my mind. We were too focused on trying to help the others around the corners. By the time we reached the front door, our childlike fun had returned. Hey guys, how was the ride here? Sarah called as we got outside. Oh, it was fantastic. You should see the shots I got. Ryan wiggled his camera above his head. Oh yeah, it was thrilling. Stopping every ten minutes to photograph some random thing because the light was just perfect or some such crap. Called out Ryan's friend Josh with a smile from the passenger side. I thought he was being a jerk, but he and Ryan had this act down for years. They were as close as brothers. As Sarah walked down to greet them, I hung back, feeling an unease I couldn't place creeping over me again. You okay, Nor? You look a bit off. Ryan asked as he took his bag from the car. I'm fine, I answered shortly. I know he didn't mean anything by it, but his question set my blood boiling again. Suddenly I wished he was gone. I wish they were all gone. I turned and walked back to the house without a word. As I walked away, I could hear Sarah say, I'm sure she's just hungry. Let's call for some takeout and settle in for the night. We can start working through the place tomorrow. Sarah was more right than she knew. I was hungry. Ravenous, all of a sudden. Almost involuntarily, I retraced my steps to the kitchen, sifted through the rows and columns of old canned goods, the urge to consume rising in me with unrelenting fervor as I pushed through the clinking piles. The sudden obsession held me without the option to find a can opener, and I slammed cylinders in fast-forward until I found one with a pull tab. The label read, tripe. I didn't know what tripe was, and I didn't really care. A forefinger lifted the tab up and back in a satisfying rip, and my opposite hand dove into the pink mush and grease without examination. It was cold meat stuff from a process beyond the depiction of any liberal animal abuse documentary. And it was exquisite. The soggy tissues filled my mouth and the space between my teeth and tongue like pouring concrete, and my eyes rolled in satisfaction. Three big finger scoops emptied the thin metal box, and a call from Ryan startled me from my diminishing stupor. 
The vacant tin drops surreptitiously in behind the stacks, and a few wipes at my lips and sucks at my teeth hopefully cleared the evidence of my little social regression. What the hell? I was gathering myself when Ryan led Sarah into the kitchen at a trot. Sarah waved her phone above her head. The reception isn't receptioning. I can't text Mom to tell her we're alive. I felt a jolt in my chest. Mom, she didn't want to come with me. She didn't even want us to come at all. Sell the damn place. Don't set foot in it. The old bitch is dead. Let it rot with her. That was really unlike Mom. She's the epitome of the chill flower child. Was she jealous that it was mine? I felt resentment rise again as Sarah wittered away and the boys sniped at each other. Jesus, would they just shut up? It's so loud in here. My ears are ringing. I had to get out. I ran out of the kitchen back to the front hall. There I could breathe. That tripe wasn't sitting well. Sarah suddenly appeared behind me. Nor what's wrong? I looked back over at her and my dark feelings abated. I, I don't know, kiddo. Maybe I'm just overwhelmed. This is mine, ours, it's a lot. Sarah squeezed my arms. You need to eat. Oh, no, I didn't, but they probably did. Josh and I are going back into town to get takeout, and I'll call Mom from there. Will you be okay? Yeah, why wouldn't I be? I gave what felt like a weak-ass smile, but that's all I could muster. Have fun with Josh. Get bent, Nor. Hey, Ryan, come on. Let's find the best rooms before they get back. I mean, since they've gone to get the food, it's the least we can do to put their bags in the rooms. Then we can get the living room set up. Fire looks like it's ready to go. I've got a feeling this place gets pretty cold at night. Thankfully, it's not winter. Ryan looked at me skeptically. In that concerned, I don't believe you're okay, but I get that you need to keep busy, so we'll do things your way for now, but I know that I'm going to be keeping my eye on you. Should you need me, look? I've always hated that look. But I know it comes from a caring place, so best not to say anything. Besides, today I'm kind of grateful for it. All right, he said. Why don't you check the chimney and make sure there's nothing blocking it, and I'll get the bags. It was a good thing he had me check, because it looked like it was blocked off a while ago. I guess it was too much maintenance for her. Ryan came back a few minutes later with all of our stuff and my portable heater. I'd forgotten I brought it. Actually, I brought two. I figured it would be cold here at night with no central heating. <laughs> Looks like you already thought ahead, Ryan said, gesturing at the heater with his foot. His hands were full of camping gear. I didn't think there'd be anything here, so I brought the stuff that we use for cooking, eating, lighting, and heating on our camping trips. Guess it's a good thing I did. Let's leave that stuff here for now and bring the bags to the rooms. When Sarah and I looked around earlier, I think the first two rooms are the least lost to time. They used to be guest rooms, I think. But I'm sure in recent years they were the careers rooms. They have a connecting bathroom. Sarah tested the plumbing earlier, but don't tell her I said that. Those would be best, I think, if you have no objections. I knew I was rambling, but I couldn't help myself. I think Ryan knew because all he said was, That sounds like a plan. And off we went. We had everything set up by the time Sarah and Josh arrived with the food, bickering over some stupid thing they heard on the radio. They always bickered like this. 
We had a good meal. Not great. Let's face it. Small towns are great for home cooking, but not so much for takeout. The company was better than the food. Before long, we were laughing and comparing stories about what we'd done earlier. It's hard to dwell on uneasiness in such company. It's one of the many reasons that I love them all so very much. Once the food was gone and the stories dried up, we all decided to go to bed. This was one of the best times we've had in a while, despite the earlier strangeness. We all went to bed feeling good about the day, and we had a pleasant, uneventful night's sleep. I woke up feeling rested and good about the day ahead. Sarah was coming out of the bathroom humming to herself, and I was just getting ready to get her opinion on what we should do to start the day, when all of a sudden, we heard Josh and Ryan screech. What the hell is happening in there? We ran to their room, Sarah brandishing a hairbrush, to see Ryan sitting on the middle of the floor pointing at the corner near the window. Josh was kneeling next to him, looking as freaked out as I felt. It was there, I swear, Norma, I swear. He was crying. I'd never seen him like this. Sarah went to the empty corner. There's nothing here, Ryan. What did you see? It, it, well, I can't. He burst into choked sobs again. This wasn't Ryan, my cool-headed rock. Josh and I took his arm and we got him to his feet. Sarah grabbed his flannel hoodie. He was shivering. We got him downstairs and brewed some hot sweet tea. Good for shock. My mom swears by it. It took about half an hour, but Ryan was finally starting to calm down enough to make sense. It was a woman, but she was wrong. Her face, I, I, can't, I can't quite describe it. I've never been so scared. Sarah pulled out a bottle of Jack that she'd stashed in her backpack and Irished his tea. Ours too. Ryan's face finally started to relax. I'm sorry, Norma. I don't know what happened. Sleep paralysis, maybe? Josh squeezed his shoulder. Yeah. Josh looked at me and we were both thinking the same thing. Sleep paralysis happens in bed, not ten feet from it. My eyes suddenly opened wide and panic immediately seized me. I was still in bed. We were just talking about sleep paralysis, and here I am in bed, unable to move. What the hell? Voices from outside the door. Ryan? Sarah? This is your birthright. Seize it came a gravelly voice behind me. The paralysis let go and I sat bolt upright with a gasp. I looked behind me, but there was no one there. Only a small mirror in a gilded frame hanging on the wall. I looked at it wide-eyed but strangely unafraid. As I stared at the mirror, a crack began to form and then shot up through the glass, fragmenting my reflection. A kaleidoscopic grin formed in the fragments and a wave of calm washed over me. The familiar voice spoke again at my side. Welcome home. Thank you, Grandmother, I said with a smile. In that very moment, it all made sense to me. The draw to the house, the meat hunger, the furs. I stood and walked to the closet door, my destiny, the change I must have, waited within, and I didn't hesitate. The accordion doors creaked open to reveal the community of furs within. They wavered and shifted upon my entry, 
reached for my bald skin to warm it and shield it from the world. One at a time, they pulled my limbs away, splaying me where I stood for their examination. Grandmother's voice reassured me, talked me through the coming metamorphosis. And then they were on me, the patchwork furs weaving within and without each other to reform my pelt, to make me whole, to bring forth the beast that hungered within me and make it real. I was freed only when at twice my size before I entered and with the claws and ears and teeth of a grisly monstrosity. And my new bulk was starving for sustenance and the satisfaction of the hunt. Sarah, Ryan, and Josh had searched frantically for Norma since hearing her cry in the night. Her room had been empty, her things scattered about the guest room she had taken for herself. Finally, they came upon the mystery door. No hesitation this time. Sarah grabbed the knob and turned, but it didn't budge. Damn it! Sarah scowled and began fumbling with the ring of keys. Guys, a little help here. Where could she be? Josh and Ryan, who had been checking other doors and rooms, converged around the door. I can't find the key for this one, guys. The hell with it. We gotta find her. Let's go. As the three friends made ready to break down the door, a deep low growl emanated from behind it. What in the blue hell was that? Josh said, jumping back. It sounds like a damn bear. The growling grew louder from the other side and they stared with wide-eyed horror as the knob began to turn. The door fell lazily open while they held their collective breath. Before them stood a shambling beast that might be what paranoid others reported as a Sasquatch or a Yeti, but it lived in a mosaic of furs of varied hues and lengths and consistencies. They flexed and turned on themselves even as it stood stock still, taking them in with a tilted head. It grumbled its elongated growl once more, but there was something in that utterance for Sarah. She craned her neck and looked closer at the beast, still too entranced to run. The pelts roiled around something solid within their mass, an endoskeleton, or some other creature, or... Norma? Sarah asked into the space where the beast's head might be. It pulled up to its full height then, the living seam of its skins open at the sternum to reveal Norma's face there, pallid and grinning. Well, hello, Sarah. Norma spoke in someone else's voice. I called Norma here knowing she would come, but what a surprise to see you at Grandma's too. That creak and pitch of voice, it was Grandma's warm and inviting, like the smell of fresh-baked cookies through a window. Sarah smiled. Norma's ursine arms extended to her for an embrace. They looked warm and snuggly. Sarah put her own arms out and stepped into the waiting hides that enveloped her and pulled her in to join her sister and their much-missed grandmother. Ryan and Josh bolted, all but tumbling down the staircase in their panic. Out the front door into Ryan's car, they ran before realizing Sarah had their keys. They started running down the old driveway, but the mammoth beast behind them easily outran them on four legs, catching and trampling one and then the other before shaking off its perspiration and battle fervor, and then trotting contentedly back 
to Grandma's house. You've been listening to Ain't No Such Thing, Inheritance, written by Amanda Rachels, Ian McDowell, Neil A. McCain, Jagdeep Call, James O'Callaghan, Christina O'Donovan, Hazel O'Brien, and Kevin Laporte. As I said in the opening, this was a product of a game of Pass the Story played in our Facebook group over a couple of days. It was a lot of fun. And if you want to join in on our next game, go to facebook.com slash groups slash ain't no such thing and join the group. I'll plan to begin the next game February the 7th through February the 9th. That's Friday through Sunday. We'd love for you to join us. Be sure to subscribe to Ain't No Such Thing wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on Apple, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Buzzsprout, and other major podcasting platforms. We also have a Patreon campaign where for as little as $2 a month you can get additional content exclusive to Patreon subscribers, movie reviews, and the chance to have your story read on the podcast. Thanks again for listening to Ain't No Such Thing. And we'll be back with another one for you real soon.